Buddies, a reading club for people. Thanks for joining us as we discuss Please Kill Me, the uncensored oral history of punk by Legs McNeil and Jillian McCain. This week, part one, I want to be your dog. And now your hosts, Josh Tyson and Mark Brush. you to uh, roll over under your back. Yeah, yeah, just like that. All right, you're going to take happy baby pose now. Do you know happy baby? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So you, yeah, arms up on the insides of the knees, grabbing the outsides of your feet, and you're pushing in, you're, you're pushing into your hands, and you're pulling down. So you're pulling your knees down towards the floor, and you're pushing into your hands, and you also kind of want to moving your legs apart. You're opening the hips. And here's the most important part, though. Sacrum, lower back, push it into the ground. Push it in. Yes. Yes, Mark. Oh, see, I can tell you. You're feeling the release, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. That's really all there is to it. All right. So now I want you to uh, go ahead and let go of your feet. Very good. And I want you to bring your knees into your chest. Give yourself a nice big hug. Yep, bring your forehead up. Yep. Oh, oh, you better get up. Yeah, that's a doorbell. Someone's here. All right, go ahead. Get up. Hey, everybody. Yeah, welcome. Come on in. Come on in. Grab some Zin. Let's dig in. Kids are in the yard. We're ready to go. Uh, Mark, you want to start us off? You're a Williams man. I think you might know a thing or two about... I am a Williams uh, man. I'd be happy to... Context. I think you're looking for context. I always look to a Williams man when I want context. Let me give you a little bit about this book. And then I'll give you a quick hit on some of the main characters in this book. Looks like it might weigh about... During the part that we are reading today. 12 ounces? How much do you think? What's this the, book... What's the net weight on that book? Let me look at the back. Uh, oh, 20th anniversary edition. I see. 78. This book, I'm going to call this book... You love my phone. Hundreds of interviews with forgotten bands, as well as the ones that made names for themselves. The... the the lead actors in the punk rock movement there as go, it was Mark. born. That's what this book is. Yep. That's like straight out of your mind. That's not off the page. We're talking about the 1960s in the U.S. of A. You got the Sex Pistols over the, across the pond. No, that was later. They're coming later. Yeah. But right now, you're leading up to it in the U.S. They come as a response to what we're about to read seminal about. Seminal bands. We're going to talk about the Velvet Underground. We're going to talk about Iggy and the Stooges and, and MC5. The yep. MC5? MC5. I think just MC5. Motor City 5. There's five of them. What do you know about the Velvet Underground? You want me to give you some context there? Um, I know that my dad... Uh, you know, I think Mark Marin talks about all the They time were active between 64 and 73. Let's, let's have something real here instead of your Wikipedia crap. You know, Mark Marin's always talking about how like, important it is to have the big brother or a cool guy at the record store figure in your life who shows you all the, the great shit. I was fortunate enough to have my dad be that guy. He worked at a record store, maybe that's why. Had stacks and stacks of vinyl. Stacks. But he uh, he used to play Velvet Underground for me. And uh, but my 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 Lou Reed memory 
If I could give you one of those real quick. What a dirt bag this guy was. It was a dirt bag, but my dad and his friend, my dad was a second grade teacher and his friend Scott was a fifth grade teacher. And they were kind of bad boys. They were worlds apart. No, well, maybe. They liked a lot of the same shit. And there was a sci-fi movie that came out called Cyborg. I love these cocktail nuts. And I was like super, super jazzed to see Cyborg. And so my dad and Mr. Ochterman, maybe I shouldn't say his last name. I'm sure it's fine. They took me, Mr. Oct, they took me to, to see Cyborg in, in his car. He had like kind of like a sports coupe thing. And then as before we drove home, we were sitting in the mall parking lot. And he wanted to show my dad the, 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 the power of his sound system. Are we still on the same story? Oh, yeah. So we started playing. He's played Walk on the Wild Side, that Lou Reed song. That's not the Velvet Underground. I don't give a shit. Lou Reed's in the Velvet Underground. And you know that bass line? It's been sampled. Yeah, I know it. The instant I heard it, it was like my, my part of my life changed. And then you listen to those lyrics and you're like, oh, my God, there's this whole other crazy weird world out there. There's a crazy real world. And that's what the Velvet Underground represents to me, Mark. Provocative subject matter. Yes. Yep. Check. Musical experimentation. Check. Check. Sexual experimentation. Check. Nihilistic attitudes. Check. Mm-hmm. Really tall. Seminal band. Lou Reed, Swedish John Cale, Sterling Morris, and Angus McLeese. Nico would appear now and again in this. She does. She, she has many gifts to give. We're going to do a little bit on the Stooges, Iggy and the Stooges. Wait, you want to hear a little Velvet Underground? Just yeah, give me a clip, man. Uh, yeah, here. Uh, you know what we're going to do, Mark, right now? Oh, what are you going to play for you? me? What are you going to play for me? We're going to have a real good time together. Time together. Is this Velvet? This is Velvet Underground. We're going to have a real good time together. This sounds very polished. We're going to have a real good together. All right. No, I'm not done. This is not experimentation. What is it? You picked like their candy pop. That's not candy pop, dude. All right. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you didn't realize this. Lou Reed, he loved like doo-wop and shit. Oh, I knew that. He likes rock and roll. Take a walk on the wild side. Um, Thanks for that clip. Hey, I got a couple more. Stooges, 67, Ann Arbor, Michigan. Mm -hmm. What do we need to know? Primitive raw confrontational performances which often involved acts of self-mutilation by frontman Iggy Pop. Yep. Not another wild man. Not quite as didn't have as much of a dirtbag feel but because he was he just sort of out of control. Bag, he was just out of it. He was. And he's he not has, out of it. He's lucid as shit. He knows exactly what he's doing. But he's just on his own plane. Lou Reed had an agenda. He was yeah, gun, that, gunning for that fame. That comes up or I mean that word comes up a lot when they talk about Lou Reed. Lou Reed and his agenda. Ooh. Alright. I guess I read it. Yeah, it's a buzzword. That's what I do it's for the book mind. club. The first thing I do is read the book. Mm-hmm. Can Iggy, I have a little, little more, of the Stooges? Can I have some Stooges? Iggy is more visceral. He wants to be your dog. He wants to puke on you. God, he was throwing up on a lot of people. But oh, That's one of my favorite quotes. I'll save it for the book club. This is the book club. Well, for the actual club part of the book. Is this not the club part? Is this this is the context from the Williams Man. Now this is more what I'm feeling. I'm feeling this. Yeah, this is raw, dude. What's the name of this? I want to be your dog. Perfect. Yep. Cut up and just bleeding. Now we're gonna be face to face. Iggy. So that's just dripping with attitude. So the third act would be the MC5. Is it the or no? Just MC5? MC5. You actually got these mixed up, Mark. MC5 should come a little bit before the Stooges. But in terms of the the flow of the book, that's why I put them in this way. 
MC5 comes first. Not really. Yeah, actually. They introduce Iggy and them first, and then they jump to MC5, and then they jump back and forth. This is going to be a violent book club. MC5, an American rock band. Lincoln yep. Park, Michigan. Another Michigan act. Mm-hmm. Midwest. Yep. Yep. Settled in Detroit, I think, though. Motor I did not City. know them as well. Far left political ties, anti-establishment lyrics. White Panthers. Guns. Fucking White Panther movement. Our third, or the third wing of this uh, proto-punk movement we're about to dig into in this book club. Yep. Here, I'll play a little bit of Kick Out the Jams. This is like kind of a cruddy live recording, but he says the F word. Kick out the jams, motherfucker! Yeah, that's kind of what I would think. Motor, Motor City 5. Although, some controversy over that name. Sorry, what some was context for you. Well, at one point they say we don't. They named the band because it sounded like some gears you'd find in a factory, and yeah. then later on they say no, it was the Motor City Five. Mm-hmm. Well, is it one or the other? It's both. Yeah, it's punk. There's no rules, Mark. Punk is like podcasting. There's no rules. So I think. I mean, I was excited for you to read this book. I was excited to read it because. Oh, hold on. There's some some action. Kids are trying to dig into the zin. I was excited for you for you to read this book because we've we've talked many times in our other podcast, Natch, about the the sheltered life that you led oh boy. in the uh, suburbs of, of DC. Straight to that. Yeah, that's what we're doing. Well, just a little. So I mean, I thought this would be a nice dose of. I was very. Ex- I my musical tastes were broad. Well, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you were up late watching David Letterman and flipping a water bottle in your hand. Drinking tons of water. You know, that whole thing is back now. That's a meme online. All these kids flipping water bottles, trying well, to make them land not on stuff. To catch them. Were you trying to make it land flat, or were you just flipping them and catching them? Right. Um, just as these three acts were the proto-punks, I was the proto-flipper of the water bottle. You weren't, like, flipping and catching? You were flipping and trying to have it land? That most, was your game? Mostly flipping and catching. Occasional land. Okay. Not, not the elaborate lands you see online now. Well, the goal now is to make it land. Yeah, I know. Not In, to catch and it. Like, Anyone can catch it. Not anyone. Not anyone. So that's the point of this book. Anyone can catch it, but not everyone can make it land, Mark. Only some people make it land. As you read through this book, which is really just quotes from people who were there strung together to form a narrative. Yeah, there's no um, wraparound declaration old sentences. Yeah, but there's like a lot of people you use. Some names you know. John Cale, some names. Lamonte Young, not as familiar. Lamont. Lamont. I mean, there are dozens of things we could talk about in there. I, I noted many things, but I'm just going to go with what comes to the top of my mind. What's, what's right up top now? Dirtbag story after dirtbag story. Lots of dirtbag. Lots of you got a lot of Nico sleeping around. Mm-hmm. Very troubled Nico. Sort of a, a wounded figure throughout this prologue and part one. She becomes kind of like a, a larger than, well, I guess they're all kind of larger than life, but... Muse-like? Muse, but also... I think they, a lot of people do a good fame. job talk about how she's really an artist herself. She's not. I mean, I think she has a bad rap for being someone that they just like. She can just sing the songs if Lou lets her. Well, Lou's not so nice. Then she moves on to Iggy. And uh, yeah, I, if I could. <laughs> you want to read that word? The book club podcast could be a lot of us just looking for the. What was that quote? I mean, uh, uh, Iggy says something very nice about her. 
basically, I'll paraphrase because I can't even find it. Like in time, time, Nico will become a celebrated artist. Oh yeah, he thought she would be. I think a few people of her own right say that it, you know, you know, Longview people are going to look back at her as something special. It very seemed like a very stark, cold beauty from where in the Netherlands? No, uh, sweet. Uh, she's Norwegian, I think, or Swedish. She was one of those countries. She's Scandinavian. Scando. Scando. Although I must say, when I when I was uh, when my dad was playing the Velvet Underground for me when I was young, strange voice. It was Deep, the, the Nico songs that caught me at first. I, it was the Lou Reed came later. I'm sticking with you. I'll be your mirror. I like those like fragile little pop songs. Look at you. Yeah. I you know what I liked. I liked uh, Motor City Freeway, and I liked uh, Cherry's Jubilee. Cherry's Jubilee? Are you just making shit up? Maybe. Yeah. So uh, there was that. So there's Nico's role. Yeah. Leah, Lou, the Lou Reed, Andy Warhol factory thing. Mm, not quite as uh, warm-hearted were you, you, as the Motor City guys, as the whatever. Yeah. Well, well they were like real. They were real. They were, just, they were like... There was no artifice, the artistic artifice. You want to read a real history book, read Howard Zinn's People's History of the United States. That book will fucking knock you on your ass. Better than Chomsky's Manufacturing Consent. Good point. I think Thank that's you. a good book. Fucking people baffle me. Fucking people baffle me, too. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point you made there, but... Yeah, I mean, I think what I was going to say is just the, the MC5. Oof. They're in a, a commune situation. They're pitching in to buy peanut butter and stuff. They're that, not living... There was a hardcore macrobiotic by. diet deal going on there. Yeah, like, whereas, where'd all the money go? It's going to like bulgur and buckwheat. Yeah, the factory people are kind of maybe somewhat subsidized by Andy and then Warhol. Heroin. Yeah, and then heroin comes in, and then they talk about that a lot too. How it's like that's a, a very different drug from a lot of the drugs that people are used to because it's very private, kind of. You don't like want to necessarily shoot up in front of people. They uh, were less inhibited about that, but you, you just go to places inhibited. and there'd be just these dirty. Oh God, where was that? Piles of people all fucking. No, 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 don't you, oh, tweaking. Oh, oh. oh. Oh, if I could find that quote. Oh, that's... Yeah, I don't have that. The juicy one? The Why the room was so great to shoot up in and how over time, like, you'd, the needle would come out with a little bit of blood in it and you'd have to squirt it out to clean it out. Like, that cleaned it out. But it was on the ceiling. Oh, yeah, there the was stains blood, on the ceiling, blood, blood on the stains walls. everywhere. Oh, Ooh, that's art, buddy. Degenerates. Fucking <clears throat> degenerates. Yeah, they are degenerates, aren't they? Lou Reed came off looking a little bit... Yeah. Iggy, just, dear God... I am I'm, I'm amazed he's alive. I know. Did you listen to his? Uh, Couldn't find a vein. Couldn't his find interview it. on Mark Marin. No, I don't think I have. It's fascinating. He's a uh, Mark Marin talks about. It why? Too, why? Like, this isn't Mark Marin's podcast. Can you shut well, up about Mark, Mark Marin? Talks to the authors of this book. If you love Mark Marin so much, go listen to his podcast. I'm this is gonna, Book Buddies. Yeah. Well, I'm bringing some. You know what? Have oh. you ever been in a book club? Because you're allowed to share opinions, Mark. It's not some format. I've been in a lot of it's book not clubs. You pushing your agenda, Lou Williams, Reed. Williams, man. Yeah, you and Lou Reed, you and your fucking agendas. <laughs> I got no agenda, dude. I'm I'm a I'm an egg. The only thing is, like, yeah, he was shocked at how I'm lucid, with egg. how lucid Iggy was, because yeah. you'd expect him to. Well, I saw him prance, and, I saw him prancing around stage for Austin City Five, this new album with the uh, the guy from Austin City Limits. Austin City Limits, yeah, not Austin City Five. The guy. Oh, that guy. The guy he did the album with. The what? guy. The guy. The, the, the shredder guy. <laughs> Queens of the Stone Age guy. Oh, Josh Home. Homme. Homme. Home. <laughs> Whatever. It's a fucking word. Yeah, he was prancing around nothing. the stage. I mean, he had a little kink to his back. 
Like he wasn't really quite bad back. <laughs> like he wasn't feeling great, but he was jumping around that stage. Iggy Pop, what's yeah. he like? Ninety four. No, he's not that old. But man, his skin does weird things. His skin's very baggy of, and strange. And like, because he never seems to have any clothes on. Well, he kind of looks like, you know, if like someone got liposuction and lost a ton of weight all of a yeah. sudden, and their skin's hanging a little loose. I think that's all. That the, could be the drugs. It's the macrobiotic diet. Here's what I liked about the Stooges. Listen to this. this is Ron Ashton. Hey, I mean, we all grew up at the drag races, but fast cars and drinking beers doesn't go quite go with brown rice and zen. There's the clash right there. It's not even a political clash. It's a cultural clash. Brown rice and zen. Zen. Maybe that's on the menu next Zen. time. Ron Ashton. We invented some instruments that we used at that first show. It was Stooges. We had a blender with a little bit of water in it, put a mic right down into it, and just turned it on. Yeah. We Good played for that you. for like 15 minutes before we went on stage. It was a great sound, especially going through the PA all cranked up. I've got a good quote. Then we had a washboard with the contact mics. So Oogie and I would put on golf shoes and get on the washboard, and he would just kind of shuffle around. We had contact mics on the 50-gallon oil drums that Scotty played, and he used two hammers as drumsticks. Innovators. Anything goes. Prunk DIY. Yeah. This is a good quote. Billy Name. So Lou would sit on my face while I jerked off. I like that quote, It was like smoking corn silk behind the bar, and it was just kid stuff. Yeah. No, that's the funniest part is like how he and Lou are like gaining off a bunch, but good God. But there's like something and it's not like they're saying it wasn't gay because they don't want to be thought of as gay. It's just like there was a weird gay vibe throughout this, whether or not and it wasn't yeah, it wasn't like a homophobic vibe, but it's like no, it's do just, I want to be part of that gay scene or not? Yeah. The scene of it. Lou liked the gay scene. I think Lou did. Yep. I don't think the old uh Ann Arbor crew was as into it. No, probably not. They were trying to antagonize the Black Panthers. No, they weren't. They were trying to Justify no, themselves as, as they, they, were white, like they were with them. They were. They were with them when they weren't in jail. Listen to this, Nico. Lou liked to manipulate women. You know, Oof. like program them. He wanted to do that with me. He told me so. Like computerize me. Couldn't do it though. You know who the like the. <laughs> Remember most... the Jim Morrison story with Nico? Oh God! At some castle and the and the and the agent, the Danny Fields. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be a. He's throughout this book. Throughout this book, I'm. The man behind the scenes, right? Well, he, he's the glue, really. He got him signed to Electra and other... Yeah, he's the glue. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Well, Jim was so drugged out that he like took his keys and stranded him at the thing, and Nico woke up in the middle of the night screaming, Oh, no! Oh, no! He's running around, jumping on the top of the parapets of the castle. Like naked? <laughs> yeah. And he was pissed at Danny Fields for like months. Yeah, but then he got keys. old and fat and not as... Well, they, they make some funny statements about like how when he got fat, like his, his eyes were never his best feature and they just kind of receded further into his head. Yeah. Good for them. He's a tragic figure, Jim. There's that other thing too, where he's like, they're talking about him standing in a bar and he orders five screwdrivers and just starts drinking oh, them. And, I put the and then he that. just takes his dick out and pisses on the floor. And then someone, some girl crawls over and blows so, him. It's terrible. It's crazy. It's degenerate behavior, Josh. They also said he had a big dick. <laughs> Same. They that said that exciting. about Iggy too. That he had a big dick. Oh yeah, he pulls his dick out too. Yeah, it's just human beings being. It's interesting human, how man. you go to those points. I go. To, I go to points like this. What are you talking about, Wayne you, Kramer? Your quote that you just knew, read is about sitting on we faces. We knew the world generally sucked, and we didn't want to be a part of it. We wanted to do something else, which amounts to not wanting to get up in the morning and have a real job. Natch ninety five. Yeah, that's Natch nine thousand. I think, isn't it? Natch nine thousand. Not wanting to have a real job? Uh, yeah, we're very punk in spirit. We don't want to have real jobs. This is a punk podcast. Um, the, oh, why did I... Sorry, this is something Iggy Pop said about the MC5 I liked. I mean, the Stooges were the same way. A nasty bunch of people, but nice to each other. Oops. 
I can't say how political the MC5 really were, but I certainly didn't feel it. But on a basic level, would they share their peanut butter with me? Yeah. What is this quote I just read? This is Iggy Pop, talking about the doors. The band got out on stage first without Morrison, and they just sounded like pure shit. It sounded awful, worse than pussy. It was old pussy, ha ha ha. What does that mean? I don't know. I think that's offensive. That sounds a little offensive. Iggy. Oh yeah, well clearly offending people is... <laughs> Alright, so mind. there's a lot of drugs. There's a lot of young, degenerate rock and roll behavior. Yeah, but there's also a lot of ground being broken. There's like. a lot of ground being broken. Yep. A lot of rules being destroyed and shattered. With music, what it means to perform. Mm-hmm. If you want to just cover yourself in peanut butter, throw raw hamburger at the crowd... And roll around on a broken bottle until you bleed. You do it. You're a star. And then throw up on the front row. Yeah, but like the, a wait. I, and I, that's the best show this guy's ever seen in his life. I, I know. I isolated a quote from that because it was so funny. Him talking that's, about that. Well, that happened apparently. How do you survive that? I can't have two beers. Why? But I mean, you, you set the template it's early 20 on. Twenty years old. I'm twenty years past my punk. If you prime. were drinking forties like me, you could... twenty years. Twenty fucking years past my punk prime. It's never too late, Mark. This is as good as it gets. I mean, that's the other thing, too. It's like... (laughs) I mean, like... Janis Joplin getting together with Fred uh, Smith, soon to be of Blondie Television, I think. I looked that up. Did you? They were a Jack Daniels dream all the way down the line. They could go one for one, and Fred could still get it up. I think Janis liked that in a man. Yeah. I heard once that she slept with Chris Christopherson because she mistook him for Leonard Cohen. <laughs> I heard. No, I don't have Lee Childers. Listen to this. This is a Iggy Pop thrown up. Jerry Miller was down in front again. Oh, she had this horrible little voice, and she was right down in front screaming, throw up, throw up. When are you going to throw up? And he did. He threw up. Iggy always satisfied his audience. And then Iggy says, it was very professional. I don't think I hit anyone. And then Russell Walensky, I was up front. I did get thrown up on. Iggy <laughs> yeah. got me on the shoulder. Like, I'm going to trust Iggy to have any That's sense of whether line. or not he hit anyone. That's the best line. It was very professional. I don't think I hit anyone. And he puked because he had just taken a huge shot of some sort of... He, they would find him in the... Nasty drugs. They would find him backstage, needle in the vein, trying to find a vein. Needle jabbed in his arm. Stuck. He was stuck. They'd have to, like, rip it out, yeah. stem the bleeding, and throw him on stage. That's what's crazy, too, is all these guys are getting, like, record deals. These guys. They really don't give a shit. Oh, here he is where he bagged. He uh, bagged. It doesn't sound good when the next thing you say is 14-year-old. Oh, yeah, he is. He's sleeping with a 14-year-old. God. I thought that was, that. that's horrendous. I mean, that's. It's incriminating. But then how old was he? Probably like 18, 19, okay. 20. A little, a little better. Jesus. It's not like he's 42. He's kind of like a child himself. He's very childlike. You know, this was interesting to me. I'm going to put the book down because I'm a true book clubber. I don't need to rely you don't need on to that flip text. The book? Put yourself back there, mid '60s. Okay, it's the hippie vibe. Yeah, that's one of the takeaways I got out of this part. World could have gone. It was trying to go different ways. Well, West Coast, you had all the hippies, and then Fillmore West, Fillmore East, East Coast. It's like our and they rock said and craziness. No thanks, man. You full of shit. Peace, love, and nothing. It's a broken promise. I don't feel it. It's not a real thing. Velvet Underground. Iggy Pop and the Stooges. Yeah. The other one. Yeah. The other one, MC5. (laughs) Didn't quite make it as big. Yeah. When MC5 was kind of a big deal, but yeah. Then a bunch of them went to jail, so that'll ruin things. 
Listen to this. Scott Kempner. This is my last quote from the book. Okay. He's watching the, the Stooges I'll play. I'll find one more. He's talking about seeing them live. And every time I saw the band, it was the same thing. There was never a yesterday. There was never a set they'd played before. Mm. There was never a set they were ever going to play again. Iggy put life and limb into every show. I saw him bloody every single show. <sighs> every single show involved actual fucking blood. And that's the point. That's what you were just talking about. It's not all that hippie hoo-woo shit, man. This is like real. Yeah, here it is. Here it is. For it. Ed Sanders. <sighs> oh, let me start up here. What? Get all punk. Yeah. It's just our gear, dude. It's just the, the, the water problem with the, the hippies. There's a problem with the hippies. They developed a hostility within the counterculture itself because those who had, like, the equivalent of a trust fund versus those who had to live by their wits. Mm-hmm. Right? Then you get to this. They're developed in a, a lumpen hippie who really came from an abused childhood, from parents that hated them, from parents that threw them out. Maybe they came from a religious family that would call them sluts or say, you had an abortion, get out of here. Or I found birth control pills in your purse, get out of here, go away. And those kids fermented into Great a kind word. of hostile street person, punk types. Yep, that's... Well, they were misbehaving before they even got caught. And in the 90s, you had... They had no place. They had no place in the... This is like my... This is, this is why, like, as you read my screenplay, Mark, and yeah, you think about my dirtbag, ragtag friends... Many of them were from a similar situation, like oh. almost all skaters in that day and age. Skateboarding now is for everybody, you know? It's popular. It's cool. But back then, it was for the outcasts. You got your penny board. It's from the kids from the broken homes, Tic-tac man. Tic-tac up and down the block. I remember when my parents split up, I was like, that's, that's the time I really started gravitating towards it. Mm. Moth to a flame, you wanted, my friends. You, you were feeling broken, and you were looking for the broken. I was. But they were also, you know what? They were also the kids in my school that were the least full of shit, you know? Yeah, they weren't mm-hmm. pretending to be happy. They weren't West Coast bullshit. John Sinclair, the head White Panther. I would have he got thrown in jail, right? My, my Warner Stringfellow, the guy that keeps tracking him down, <laughs> dressing up in different Pink Panther like disguises <laughs> to catch him with dope. Hey, I would have been offended if they hadn't said I was a danger to their society. I was determined to be one. Yeah. Punk. Absolutely. So, Mark, I think we should um, sum up. Let's sum up here. Like a good book club would do. And anyone in the group, you're welcome to chime in. Um, was something learned from reading this book? If so, what? If not, why did the book fail as a teaching tool? I learned so many things. I learned a lot, too. And this is my second reading. I learned debauch- how to some specific colorful examples of debauchery. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't understand that punk hippie split. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that MC5 is highly controversial for what it actually stands for. What's controversial about Motor City 5? Did I miss something? <laughs> yeah, I think it was the band itself at some point saying, no, no, we just named it after it thought it sounded cool. It sounded like some gears you'd find in a factory. Oh. Don't you remember that? Well, yeah, I remember that, but I don't remember it being controversial. It takes controversial. a close reading. It takes a close reading. <laughs> if you read so closely, that Moving it was on. controversial. After reading this group... Is this no. book? I'm yep. sorry. After reading the book, has the group's subject or is the group's interest been piqued about the subject matter? Oh, I would say so. If so, would the group consider reading more on the topic in the future? Absolutely, guaranteed. Absolutely. Wait. Well, that's good. Next week will be part two. Let's tell everybody what that is. While well, we're... Mark, I didn't know if you knew this. The Lipstick Killers, the part lipstick two. Killer. I think. What are you going to get into the New York Dolls and stuff? 1971 to 74. I bet you are. That's a lot of fun too. Some gender bending. Some cross dressing. The way a book is written can impact a reader's enjoyment and understanding of it. 
Was the book written in a way that was easily accessible? I would say so. Absolutely. Once I got over that hurdle of who... Should I look this person up? Yeah, do I need to look up this person to figure out who they are and you realize you don't? Mm. Occasionally I did. Some, usually, like, if you keep reading, like, they'll, you'll yeah. figure out who that person was. They were, like, basically it boils down to are they in the band or not. Did the language make the group lose interest in something that would have been otherwise an exciting subject? No. Are you reading all of these questions? Oh, did you just want me to read the highlighted <laughs> ones? I wasn't sure what was going on here. Always oh, prepared, like a true punk. Did the author provide any pertinent web links for the readers to use? Absolutely not. Yeah. Come Fall on. short their legs. Uh, did the author provide a suggested reading list? No. No. But this book kind of serves as a listening list, so well, you get a pass on that one. Did preconceived notions of this person or topic change after reading the book? <sighs> if so, did they change for the better or the worse? I think Ooh, that's, that's the crux question. of the yeah. matter. Let's just table that one until the end. Yeah. That's the question. Oh, till the very end. Because I think going in, you're a very sympathetic punk reader. I am a skeptic. Well, right, but did it change your, so far, your perceptions changed? Are you, are you feeling less dismissive of this uh, uh, time in music history? I would say both answers. You'd say yes and no? In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Really? I, I could have guessed that there was drug abuse. Yeah. <laughs> I could have guessed that there was illicit sexual behavior mm-hmm. in some sort of communal <laughs> lifestyle. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Which is very hippie-like. Yeah, but I guess a better understanding of the social, the counterculture, the, yeah. It's not just the hippies that had that counterculture angle. There was something going on here, too. And that Iggy, and that Lou Reed was as much of a dirtbag as he is, and that Lou, uh, excuse me, Lou Reed, dirtbag, Iggy. Sort of nice? I don't know what, there's something very wrong with Iggy. <laughs> well, yeah. She's a true artist. I guess that's it. Most artists, they're not like the most agreeable people. Something I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. That. Yeah, because when I read this book a long time ago, I don't know, like 10 or whatever, however long time I read it. But I listened to a lot of the music already, so I kind of already liked these people or like in some way looked up to them or thought they were cool. But then as you read this, you realize like, oh, they're just flawed fucking weirdos. Flawed weirdos. Like, yeah, Lou Reed's a poet, an unparalleled poet, but he's also maybe kind of a butthole. Although maybe he probably mellowed a little bit in old age. Self-centered. Hepatitis. Cool you out. (laughs) All right, well, thanks for joining us for Book Buddies. Um, everyone go ahead and yeah, pour another glasses in. You don't have to leave. You can stick around. Book Buddies is a Natch what? production. Your hosts are Josh Tyson and Mark Brush. Josh, formerly of B. Dalton Bookseller, holds a B.A. in English from Metropolitan State University of Denver and is the author of Sweet Nothings. Mark, formerly of Tattered Cover Bookstore, holds a B.A. in English from Williams College and is the author of The Kepler Track. Check out their other shows wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. Natch for food news eventually. And In the Face for insider NFL action. Theme music by Anna Deloy, Williams, class of 18. On the next Book Buddies.
I always, you know, I always thought this music was like so romantic. You know what I mean? No, I mean, no, uh, no more. You know, they're into all this uh, hippie yippy shit. You know? Oh, oh, oh please, man. Oh, I forgot. Please. Excuse me, audience. I can't see you. But Thank you.